The problem with the libertarians and all intellectuals, it's not isolated to libertarians, is the same thing you have in businesses where there's a war between the engineers and the salesmen. That's right. And so yep. the, it's not about purists or uh, moderates. That's not it at all. There's, there's, there's no purist versus moderate war. It's a war of engineers versus salesmen. And the engineers, they need to be like hyper-focused on making sure that they're right. That's all they should care about. If they're a good engineer, that should be their focus. But salesmen, their focus has to be people. It's a whole different skill set. Ultimately, what a salesman is, and I train salesmen, is a salesman is just a handholder. Somebody that takes you from where you are right now, brings you to a, another platform, hopefully a better platform, and gets you to step off the safe platform you're at right now. Yeah. And the libertarians that just focus on being right, they don't understand sales, so they're only sales approach is basically being the ice water brigade and people don't like that transmitting directly from the launch pad bringing blue collar to your cell tower the rock and roll libertarian himself it's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, it's Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my ray of truth herself, the beautiful Raylene Lightheart. Hi, guys. Yeah. Hello, Johnny. Raylene, how are you, sweetheart? Fantastic. I am so excited for our guests. I've had a great day. Um, I got my dryer fixed. Your dryer? So is that like, is that the thing you've been battling all day? A dryer? Yes. Yes. Two weeks. It's been insane. And and I just want you to know that this mom has held it down. I'm very proud of myself. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm great. I, uh, uh, I was just, I was telling a story earlier that I was, uh, I fell today. You I hurt fell. yourself too much for being so tough. I fell. I was, I was just walking down the street and I fell like it never happens, but I just up, are bam. You, are I, you kidding? I actually tripped the other day in my closet for no reason. I just cl- yeah, tripped. No, I, I, I fell and I hurt my arm and uh, it's bad. I have like a bruise on my upper tricep, Aww. but I'm fine. I'm good. Good. But that's what happens. And it was stupid too. It was like a pebble. Were you on your phone? No. Oh, okay. I was like totally alert. Everything was good to go. And it was like a pebble on the ground and I f-ing bit it on a pebble. Wow. It's interesting. Like most people fall and it's like <laughs> I tripped over a rock or like a piece but of what? lumber. You shouldn't be falling until we're like 70. No, I did, right? I felt like I was old at that point. I'm like, I'm, I fell over a pebble and here I am and I felt pretty stupid. But you know, Raylene, we have a really cool guest. I'm excited about this guest. Me too. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Tell me all about him. Are you sure? Please do. Okay. John McAfee chose Judd Weiss as his vice presidential pick during the 2016 run for the Libertarian Party's presidential nomination. Judd brought the creative vision to the campaign, reimagining a bold new approach to a political messaging with a unique new image, logo, slogan, and innovative groundbreaking campaign videos. An entrepreneur since high school during his mid-20s, Judd Weiss received the Remax Hall of Fame Award after ranking among the top 10 agents in the state of California and among the top 20 agents in the world at Remax Commercial for multiple years. He soon began his own independent commercial real estate brokerage, where he trained a growing team of sales agents focused on high-value, high-pressure negotiations. A serial entrepreneur, Judd has launched multiple successful ventures and teaches others the importance of character in developing lasting, strong business success. 
Judd Weiss recently launched Lit.Club, a cannabis brand that reimagines marijuana as a recreational evolution, focused on creating a more sophisticated experience for tech professionals. As an extremely prolific enthusiast photographer, Judd now has over 40,000 Facebook profile photos attributed to him. Judd has frequently flown around the world to capture events. You can follow Judd at Facebook.com forward slash Judd Weiss and Instagram, Instagram.com, Judd Weiss. Raylene, are you ready for liftoff? Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. Thrusters are hot. Raylene, are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with John Weiss! Yeah, John. Johnny. Thank you so much for being here, brother. How you doing? With that kind of intro, I want to meet this guy, too. <laughs> you did a great job. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? <laughs> so here's the thing, Judd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, man. You took, when I was at the 2016 Libertarian Convention in Orlando, you know, everyone was like all over that place. And man, everyone's like, did you get a picture with Judd Weiss? Because if you didn't get a picture with Judd Weiss, you're not a Libertarian. And, I, and from that day on, I'm like, that's true. That is really true. Not with, but from. Yeah. Yeah, from. he said that to me today and I said, F- off. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't met Raylene yet, but I'm man, just kidding. seriously, you've been all over the map. You've been taking pictures. I mean, you've been promoting liberty in a very artistic way, and you're using your photography to promote the message, and you make nerds look cool. That's what you've said in many interviews, (laughs) and that's that's your gig. So what got you into doing that? Like, why photography? Uh, Well, that goes back to my philosophy in business. Uh, You want want me to tell you a a cool little anecdote about business? Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's really Knock it out. Knock yeah. it out of the park, brother. If you look at Santa Claus and you, you, you think about him, the truth is that Santa Claus is the biggest breaking and entering criminal of all time. <laughs> right? He's broken into yeah. like, like, I don't know, six billion homes in a night, something like that. that yeah, some, he some is. Billions of homes. That's a lot. And yep, yep. Uh, what do people do in response? They put out milk and cookies. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Cause they I don't like, know, because they like gifts. Free. Right. Yeah, free. Santa is bringing gifts. So Santa has access everywhere. There are no doors for Santa. Every door is open because he's bringing gifts. And so I, I had that philosophy all along. It's like, what do I have of value? I, I just figure out what to do in, that, in the business world of bringing value to everybody I want around me. And, uh, and it helps me rise in a lot of ways. And nobody's upset about it. And, and they're happy that you're rising because you're just bringing more gifts. So I've, I've, got That's this, right. yeah. I've got this philosophy, be a fountain of value, splashing everyone around you. And then suddenly you become waterfront property and everybody's fighting for a place near you. And you just rise really fast that way. It's a philosophy that wow. I've lived by my whole life. So with those photos, you know, if you wanted to get a, uh, a headshot photographer to take your shot, I don't know, the cheaper ones charge like 300 bucks. You got to drive out to their place maybe do some makeup or something and wait or, and it's kind of annoying. And if you want to get him out of the studio, it's like a thousand dollars to get him in a setting. And I'm just like spitting out machine gun style, these like photos of people in settings, in their actual experiences with their friends, capturing moments, capturing memories. And 
they're using them for everything. Facebook profile photos, Twitter, Instagram, author bios, websites, book jackets now, Wikipedia, and especially proud of Tinder. They're all over Tinder. There you go. I'm helping these nerds get some right swipes. I love everything about that. (laughs) I'm not, I can't close the deal, but I can, that's a contribution, you know? Well, you can't close the deal for them because you're a stud, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They got to take it from somewhere, but at least, at least, you know, it helps. And that's, that's what I feel like, you know, I'm, I could bring to the table, uh, you know, back, I've been in the Liberty world since I was like 14 and I got a copy of Anthem, but I, I picked up my position in that world in a bigger way in about 2011. And that's around the time that I got a camera. Wow. Um, and I started playing around with it. And so at first I wasn't, I, I wasn't particularly good. I was mostly just shooting better shots of pool parties than I normally would have. And then I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm OCD and I went a little bit too far down the rabbit hole because I have that tendency. And, uh, and I just started shooting everybody around me and, and it, it became like, Everybody's reaction was so extremely positive that in the Liberty world, all the photos of events make those events look like nerd fests that you want to avoid. <laughs> I and love I, it. And I'm like, well, why don't we present these guys as the heroes laying down the foundation of a better future? Let's wow. Treat them like, like, like characters among gods, you know, like a story, you know, that you can be a part yeah. of. That's yeah. kind of my idea. Nice. And uh, yeah, it, it became bigger. Everybody's asking me, how did you become so successful as a photographer? And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not a professional photographer. I'm not trying to be. I'm just like OCD and a little bit obsessive about whatever I do. And I like, I got a little too far into it. And then I took all these shots at Freedom Fest because I just, I had no, in- it was 2011 Freedom Fest. I had no intention of going to a political conference, but uh, the 405 was getting shut down at that time and they were calling it Carmageddon and I live on the 405. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'm out. And I just went to uh, Freedom Fest and checked it out. And I had my camera with me. I took a bunch of shots and then I met everybody. And then all of a sudden I posted those photos and like the internet exploded and everybody started adding me. And then um, Alexander McCobin from Students for Liberty asked me if I could come to the local uh, Los Angeles Students for Liberty conference in Pepperdine. Like that was like the next month or so. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll stop by. Why not? And I did. And I took some pictures and all the students really loved them. And he said, can you please, please come out to the international conference in DC uh, in February of 2012? And I told him, no, I don't go to conferences. I definitely don't fly out to conferences. That'd be ridiculous. Like I'm not that far down. And, uh, and he's like, well, well, as long as they're paying for it, right? As long as they're paying for it. Well, he said, um, you know, you, you'll get all access backstage access with like John Stossel and Peter nice. Thiel nice. and John Mackey or whatever. And some other guys over there. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll fly out to the conference. <laughs> That's great. And then, and then I posted that album and I, I got like a new lens and they took my photos to another level. And then all of a sudden everybody in the movement started asking, can you shoot my events? Because everybody just shot it like a boring snooze fest. Right, right. So it just exploded from there, almost against my will, because I was resistant the whole way. Everybody everybody just kept asking me if I'll do it. And it wasn't like I'm trying to make a name for myself as a photographer. But I do have that philosophy of like, do really well for all the people around you. And and it'll be good for you. 
all the people around you in your world, not only uh, is it if you're doing well for them, not only does it like bring a really good uh, account balance of goodwill, which it does, and that's valuable and that's cool, but that's not what it's about at all. If you're boosting the people around you, now the people around you are boosted. And that's actually you're improving your network. You're improving your circle. It's like capitalism and free markets. You are literally living libertarianism in your in your philosophy. Sure, there's a lot of ways that I am. Yeah, in fact, yeah. even the the photography you could say is very inspired from my early Ayn Rand readings of like wow. kind of glorifying. Like, what what does a novelist do to their heroes? Puts them through. Well, what humanizes them? Right. And then they put them through uh, human experiences that that have are hardships. Sure, sure. They do. They, they test them. But more importantly, they glorify them with a tremendous amount of focus and attention. They definitely do. Yeah. Good okay. idea. So that, that's the difference between yeah. uh, the photography that I do and what a lot of other people do. Where they're just taught how to document. And documenting is like the lowest level thing you could possibly do with the camera. You, you might as well. You can use a security camera to document Right. So you think you're looking at it in a in a holistic way instead. I'm trying to capture a lot of focus on them and make them look really flattering. In fact, my goal that I might not always achieve, but what I shoot for is no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people go to movie theaters and they see an actor that inspires them, and uh, then they're 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 the, the actor played a character that's like taken on challenges and it kind of inspires them to. Uh, maybe model some of those behaviors and and insights that they picked up. But what if you can take a photo of somebody and inspire them with an image of themselves in a way they haven't seen themselves? Wow. That's what I try to do. I can't always succeed at that, but I push myself to do that. And it's amazing what you do when you try. But one one thing, Judd, is it also breaks the tension. You know, like when you're trying to meet people and you're trying to like, you know, talk to them, you take a picture with them or you take a picture of them. Right. You break the ice. You know, you know what I mean? Like you're appreciating them as an individual. And that's really what libertarianism is. That's a really cool way of looking at it, too, Johnny. You're kind of glorifying the individual by you taking that picture. Right. So that you're right. But with one big caveat. Only if you're successful. <laughs> so so yeah. actually what I'm doing is not uh, relieving tension. I'm creating a tremendous amount of tension all the time. I'm going up to people saying the craziest. <laughs> they have no idea who I am. I just put the camera in their face. Yeah. They're like, who the are you? And the kind of attitude. And I tell them, look at me, chin down. <laughs> and I'm putting out these photos at these conferences and they're like getting right. tense. And I just tell them, stop. Look at me. Dude. I just I just kind of order them around. Uh, and then that, once I show them the results, it lowers our tension, <laughs> but, but not right away. It, it dramatically skyrockets the tension, actually. We interrupt this program to bring you this special message. Aside from the fact that Bill Weld is still not a libertarian, Johnny has ran out of beer. And due to my recent comments regarding Raylene being the official sandwich maker, she has begun boycotting her duties and is on strike. Everyone is starving and Johnny is out of beer. Based on official blast-off protocol, these events have tripped the ship's alarm system, and I've been forced to interrupt the show. But obviously Johnny sees to it that there's always a case of Miller Lite in the control room. We're simply waiting for him to go grab it his damn self, as Raylene put it. This has been merely a precaution. I repeat, this is only a test. Now let's return to the show. I think more photographers should tell people how to position their bodies. Honestly, I find it really irritating that people who don't. You know, Judd, you remind me, I think it's your artistic 
side reminds me of Johnny's because he's the same way. Um, the first time I met Johnny, he was a speaker at my county convention for just for local Libertarian Party. And his whole speech was about making libertarianism cool, right? Like that's what the whole speech was about. And um, I thought it was a really cool take. And I think that you would agree. What do you think makes liberty cool? And do you think that there's a way for this pack of econ geeks and government haters to find their stride in this movement? Is there a way to make this group cool on the macro? Yeah, so Johnny's got his his vibe and his target demographic and like like he's like all rock star badass and and he's got his crew like super geeky engineers like they might not relate and they like their thing yeah they maybe, usually don't maybe they like their, <laughs> they like their pokemon or whatever right know. right so everyone's got their thing so the truth is there's a ton of different demographics and the way i look at it is the problem with the libertarians and all intellectuals, it's not isolated to libertarians, is uh, is the same thing you have in businesses where there's a war between the engineers and the salesmen. That's right. Yeah. And so the, it's not about purists or uh, moderates. That's not it at all. There's 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 no purist versus moderate war. It's a war of engineers versus salesmen. And the engineers they need to be like hyper focused on making sure that they're right. That's all they should care about. If they're a good engineer, that's that should be their focus. But salesmen, their focus has to be people. And uh, they, they need to focus on, it's a whole different skill set. Ultimately, what a salesman is, and I train salesmen, is mm-hmm. a salesman is just a handholder. Somebody that, that takes you from where you are right now, brings you to a, another platform, hopefully a better platform, and gets you to step off the safe platform you're at right now. And they need to yeah. hold your hand to that. And the libertarians that just focus on being right, they don't understand sales, so their only sales approach is basically being the ice water brigade of throwing ice on people and uh, and like uh, ice buckets of truth. And people That's don't right. like that. No, they don't. But here's the thing, uh, Judd. One of the things I th- you have said in your speeches, and you gave a class or two on YouTube, and you can find it on YouTube and just type in Judd Weiss. But one of the things I think is beautifully stated by you is you say we need to make libertarian attractive simple and comfortable Uh, and i think Mm, it's brilliant that is brilliant because here's the thing we don't want to overcomplicate it because i think libertarianism if you want to get into the philosophy you're talking about the engineers right Right. and we we have the engineers over here working on that level like we can talk about you know what is a crime what isn't a crime how much state should we have what you know etc but at the same time if we just start implanting that seed of this is just a simple message, live and let live. Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Slogans like that sell. I think you're onto something with that. And the imagery, you know, like comfortable. You don't want people to be attacked. And that's the problem with libertarians. I mean, let's face it, man. We are our own worst enemy. You know, who hates, you know, what do libertarians hate more than anything? Other libertarians. Other libertarians. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? No, no, no. Libertarian party members. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. It's a very specific thing. <laughs> it is different. You're not wrong. It is different when you get involved it in is. the party politics. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think you're right because you're talking about a tr- be- making the party attract. And I think it's imaging and it's, it's, it's that look that you give your campaign, like what you did with John, mm-hmm. right? With John McAfee and your campaign, you were going for a very artistic approach. Yeah. And what made you choose that kind of approach? I mean, like, what was the thought process behind your campaign with John? There's there's so many different demographics. So what I think we do, what we need, are salesmen to hit 
tons of different demographics. We have our base code that anybody can look into the source code. But what we need to do is hit, you know, everything from like ritzy uh, glamour to like surfer dudes to like hip hop to young females, older demographics. We need to hit all of these demographics. And right now, the common voter in America, I guess people imagine like very conservative Midwest housewives or something. And if it doesn't hit that demographic, then you need to discount that in, in political messaging. So everybody's speaking to the same uh, demographic in politics. And that's it. You're not allowed to speak to any other demographics. You're not allowed to speak to anybody else. Trump did. He did not speak to the normal uh, voter. He he enraged the demographic that everybody is speaking to. But he spoke to, I don't know, you could call it the people of Walmart or, or whatever you want to call it. But he spoke to a very different voter that nobody really speaks to, people that don't normally vote. And... I was not going for a demographic that's going to win in an election. I just didn't at all. I was just trying to, to, to show we need to speak to different demographics and to, to hit different uh, audiences. So I was just specifically targeting you. Right. I wanted to do something badass that was cool, that was edgy. And anybody who doesn't like that, I don't because it, we're going to just show that works. we're going to do something different. I was so into McAfee because of what was happening there. It, it was, it felt good. It felt big and it felt inspiring, right? You know what, Judd, really quick, man. I have to say, when I was at the 2016 Orlando thing, you guys had a thing where it was like, I felt like I was in a gothic circus. Yeah, you got, I mean, it was like, it was the strangest thing I've ever seen, but yet it was, it was the <laughs> coolest I've ever seen. And it was different. I mean, your imagery of your campaign is really what set you apart from everyone else. Everyone else was doing the traditional political and you were doing something. You took it. It was an artistic expression of the message of liberty. I wanted and to I, go. Yeah. Oh, so good. Good. No, no, but that's beautiful. And I thought it was cool because guess what? Everyone will remember that 20 years from now. They'll be like, man, I was there and I was like tripping and I didn't even LSD, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I basically shut the world out and imagine what would be the coolest, most badass thing I could possibly do with what I have in front of me. And that's what I did. I didn't get about anything else. I don't care about focus groups. I don't care about how it's going to even be perceived or responded to. I was just trying to think, what would I love the most? Because if it doesn't pull at me, if it doesn't inspire me, how can I expect what I'm doing to inspire anybody else? How can I expect it to pull at them? So I was trying to, all I was focused on is what can I do that will grip me? What, what would win me over? And that's all about. And that's what I want to see from people. That's what I want to see from their photography. I want, to sh I want people to show me when I teach people photography, uh, do what pulls at you. Don't click the shutter if it doesn't. Show me what's interesting to you. Because if it doesn't pull at you, it's not going to pull at anyone. Don't show me what you think other people are going to like. Show me what makes you excited. And so that campaign was the stuff that I thought well, I thought would be exciting. The floor game at the convention, uh, conventions in all of politics, is all about button pins and uh, those like uh, those signs. You know who has yeah. more who has more campaign signs and more campaign button pins has a stronger floor game. They have a stronger presence. And so I decided. Yeah, let's do something interesting. <laughs> I love it. I was like, Let, what all I care about, I don't care about the way things are done. What can I do with this? So while McAfee gave a, 
nomination speech, I got these nine foot tall avant-garde silk fan dancers where their dress goes all the way to the floor, but they're on stools. Yeah. And and they're like doing this like fan silk fan dance while he's doing his uh, nomination speech. I thought that would be interesting and different. I had these acrobats. I had these like stilt walkers. Uh, I was like, that's something that could be way outside the bounds that'll catch attention. I was just trying to think of something that's like, right. way yeah. out there. And it was it was crazy, dude. I mean, I loved it. And uh, before we take our commercial break, I have a one question for you. Sure. What did you learn or what did you take away after your vice presidential run with John? And what do you think of the Libertarian Party in hindsight? Yeah, uh, well, we can talk about that later. But what we I can talk, we can that, go more into it. We can go more. Quickly yeah. is a, a very <laughs> strong allergic reaction to the Libertarian Party. Really? Yeah. So the whole party. The whole I mean, thing. <laughs> I think anybody I who runs in the party needs to like not. Uh, deal with it for a little while. It's almost like you ate too many hot dogs and you can't eat it for like three years. Yeah, I feel that so, way about ramen. That's what Will Coley says too. Same. Yeah. Kind of, well, not the hot dog thing, but but the same way. Yeah. yeah. I think he feels that way about ramen noodles. Really. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I love this food. Anyway, so this is blessed off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. And we're here with our very special guest. Give it up for Mister John Weiss. Yeah, Joe. We're not done with you yet, sir. We're going to be right back. And next up, we have Rocket Fire. Anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket. Always launching ideas in your direction. And we'll be right back. Rock and roll. Why do people hate libertarians? One part of America calls them soulless robber barons who want to stick children back in factories. And the other part thinks they're drugged up anarchists. Who are they? And why have regular Americans been told to avoid libertarians and their ideas? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, Amazon best-selling author of Stay Away from the Libertarians, where I'm going to debunk the myths, misconceptions, and outright lies thrown at libertarians, ranging from the idea that votes can be stolen to the radical notion that you own your From personal stories to ignored history, I lay out the facts and ask you if these dastardly libertarians are as much of a threat as the mainstream media and establishment politicians make them seem. You can go ahead and get a copy in print and in Kindle e-reader on Amazon today. Stay away from the libertarians by Remso W. Martinez. Available on Amazon. Anyway, so we're talking to, and Judd's excited about it too. Hell yeah. yeah. And we're talking hey. to Judd Weiss. Give it up. Hey, Hey, guys. Hey, man. Thank you so much for being here, brother. And uh, guess what, man? We, we were having a great time, and it's really cool to hear about your stories about art. And I think it's important for us to change culture. And if we change culture, this is how we do it we do it through music, we do it through art, we do it through media, movies, things that are not normally associated with libertarianism and i think it's interesting that you take an artist approach to these questions and it's it's actually refreshing and what we do here on the second segment sir it's called rocket fire what we do on rocket fire sirs i'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions these questions will be politically related and if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds that'd be badass judd are you ready to play rocket fire i'm ready all right here we go question one do you think entrepreneurship is one of the traits that is sometimes overlooked when it comes to libertarianism? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, because 
an entrepreneur is uh, is is taking what he sees and is trying to make a success out of a situation. And unfortunately, uh, I hate to say this, but a lot of the nonprofit world is almost like the welfare of the Liberty Universe or the political world in general. Uh, you're kind of supporting people for for just being bookworms and studying, but sometimes it's not about their results. And entrepreneurs are all about results. And I, I would desperately like to see more results-oriented focus in the political sphere, specifically the liberty sphere. Right on, man. Question two. Can somebody actually create innovations, change the world, and create wealth for others by being selfish? And why? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I will take it another step further. Selfish capitalism is the communist ideal of man living for other men. Because if, if everything is voluntary and the only way to get something from somebody else uh, means that you actually have to serve them, then, then we've created a system where people are serving each other. The difference between capitalism and communism is not the service. The difference is that in capitalism, we actually pay our servants. And if they do a good job, we pay them well. That's the only real difference. That's this the most significant fundamental difference. So absolutely, uh, the fact that you're pursuing your own interests and your only way to do that is to serve others. It is the selfish, the most selfish form of capitalism that leads to the best possible service for all the people in, in the society. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Question three. What is your stance on freedom of association? And what is your stance on anti-discrimination laws? And do they contradict each other? Um, yeah, absolutely. You can discriminate for what you want to discriminate for. I don't care. You know, <laughs> maybe you don't like people with blue hair. Like I don't care. Whatever, whatever it is. If you don't want to do business with somebody, and they, uh, well, let me let me just go a little step further. I was in Japan, and in Japan, they're like openly racist. And honestly, I don't believe it's because they hate people that are not their race. I think they're just very used to their system, and they're uncomfortable if you're not Japanese. And they know how to deal with each other, but they don't know how to deal with you. And there's this like concept called the, the I think it was called the Wa or the Wu or Wa. I think it was a Wa. It's like a harmony of energy. And just the fact that I'm there, I'm breaking the Wa. Yeah. And like the, the, wow. they give you like little cups of water at the restaurant. And I'm like, I'm used to big glasses and I get thirsty. So I ask for refills all the time. I'm like totally stomping all over the wall. And like my, my, my very nature is just like <laughs> wall everywhere I go. Yeah, so so I'm Guys, like like Borat or something when I'm there, but but you know what? There's signs on certain establishments that say Japanese only. There's specifically uh, bathhouses. Yeah, or, that's yeah. a very common thing in bathhouses. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't care. That, is, that place is Japanese only. I won't get it. go there. I don't give a damn. That's great. Uh, I think what happens is like there's a lot, especially in the north of Japan when I was there. There's a bunch of Russians. And uh, they have a clearly a very different energy from the, the Japanese. And they go into a bathhouse and they tell you to please rinse off before you go in the bath in their little showers. And they're like, yeah, and then they like, OK, never mind. Japanese only. Everybody else out. <laughs> and that's basically how it goes. Honestly, I, I really don't even care. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> that's awesome. I agree. Question four. Can something be both objective and subjective at the same time? It's kind of a technical thing. Maybe I should think on that a little bit. I suppose I, I'm tempted to say no, but maybe okay. Maybe I should think about that. I, I don't. I don't have a strong opinion on that one, actually. Unless, unless you want to like clarify that a little bit. 
Well, I mean, like, objective means it's backed by stats, numbers, things like that, and subjective is taste. I would personally say, you know, yeah, I guess it could be if you, you agree with these numbers and you agree with where it's going as a value. Well, I mean, no, if, if something is objectively good for a certain purpose, then it can't be subjectively. It, it, it's it's got to, it, it, has, it has some basis. Uh, when you say it's good, good for what? I'm regarding it as a value judgment. Yeah, but a value judgment means good or bad. Like you like this or you right. don't like this. It's positive or it's negative. And and when you say it's positive, positive for what? In what way? I hear you. And so it's I hear if it's objectively positive. Yeah, no, I, I just don't. I I I tempted to say no. I should think about that a little bit further, maybe. All right, man. That's a very technical question. All right, man. Question five. In 2016, beside yourself and John McAfee, and you had to support a presidential nominee, who would you have supported and why? Oh, well, definitely not Gary Johnson. Um, <laughs> you don't like that, that, bake the cake, easy. Gary Johnson? No, I did. I did. I came in really disliking Austin because I thought he was being such a <laughs> And he was. He was so annoying and obnoxious, and I couldn't, like, I couldn't handle it. We were like, why did you, why did you run, help out McAfee? You, you and Austin would have been a good team. I was like, no way. I couldn't, like, I like ninjas too when I was 11. Yeah. You know, like this freedom ninja stuff, all this stuff was so hokey. It's like, I, I, I like, it, I had a, such a distaste for it. And I thought he was being, a, being combative and all this. And, and I started off really gracious towards Gary Johnson. Um, I was start, I started off saying that Gary Johnson should be regarded as a hero for what he's done for the ending the drug war or leading towards the end of the drug war. When the drug war ends, we should look back on him as a hero. And uh, you know he's paved a lot of important paths. I just thought he was kind of boring and awkward and a lot not very exciting and dynamic. But that was about it. Other than that, I was so gracious until I realized how utterly corrupt and vicious his campaign team. Once I saw what was going on behind the scenes, behind the curtain in politics, like I'm forever scarred by that can, experience. Can I pop in here, yeah. even though it's rocket fire, and just ask really fast? We interrupt this broadcast once again to bring you this important message. The ship's alarm system has been tripped yet again. Simply unprecedented. God, I hate my job. While Raylene decided to interrupt Rocket Fire to ask a question of her own, and this too is against blast-off protocol. Perhaps if she had been making sandwiches at this time per the usual, this might not have happened. But alas, here we are. Well anyways, Johnny has given me the green light to let her continue, and so we will now return to the show. Hopefully they can sort this whole thing out soon, because I'm getting tired of having to actually work for a living. What, just because I I have to know I've seen I've listened to your uh, Tom Woods interview on this and it blew my mind I couldn't believe it so I thanks for bringing it up how do you feel about Gary Johnson himself do you think that he is the bumbling sweetheart that he comes off as or do you think he knows a little more than I don't I, I mean okay. like to be honest I, I I I haven't had a conversation with Gary Johnson about all of this stuff that I brought forward and what I saw from his campaign team with Ron Nielsen but I know a million people who did. I know a bunch of people who, who are supporters and they talk to Gary and every single time they tell him Ron is uh, toxic and a problem, he blows up at them and like they're off the campaign and they have nothing, to, he won't have anything to do with them anymore. Sorry uh, to interrupt. So, Thank you. So, so that's, that's like, I just can't give him the benefit of the doubt anymore. But as far as Austin is concerned, holy 
that guy threw a 180 on me. I started off really not liking what he was doing in the campaign to leaving with so much respect for him. Nobody showed more heart than him. Not even me or John McAfee. Nobody pushed themselves and tried at the level that he did. That guy has a lot of heart, really pushed himself. And I expected when I came in to be uh, attacked by him, not by Gary Johnson, to be honest. I thought he was going to consider me a threat. And he, I, as far as I could tell, he wasn't. But Gary Johnson's crew went after me nasty. And McAfee, and they're posting pictures of his wife, like arrest photos, and like, this is your new first lady, trying to like dig up be really dirty with me and post all these like fake accounts of like cartoon character face, fake profile photos yeah. saying that all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, what the is this? It was so surprising that this even exists. Uh, I stepped into a, a swamp that I was just like surprised. Anyway, question six, do you think we have free will and why does it matter? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it has free will and I think it's essential to us as humans and our ability to make decisions, to be moral. There is no morality with free will because there is no decision if, if you don't have it. So absolutely, I consider free will to be essential to the human experience. Right on, man. Question seven. What economist is more accurate, Rothbard or Friedman? Huh. Well, I would agree with Rothbard on his critique of the Federal Reserve over Friedman. But I feel like Friedman wiped the floor with Rothbard as far as speaking to people outside of the close base of nerds that Rothbard was speaking to. So uh, I, I, clearly Friedman had far wider reach and ability to communicate his message um, while uh, Rothbard was focused on being right. I think that's kind of the engineer versus the sales dichotomy right, right. encapsulated pretty easily. All right, question eight. Do you believe that there is a disconnect with the arts and the liberty movement, and why? You may have answered this earlier, but answer it again, goddammit. Uh, yeah, so like I, I mentioned in the, the sales and engineers, what I was trying to do, what the left has done really well, is th- there's a th- they've, they've been able to relate to people in a really powerful way. You see a tree getting knocked down in Avatar by these capitalists and scattering all the natives and you get immediately upset without even understanding the details of environmentalism, you, you, you gain some sympathy there. Uh, you don't like that. Uh, and I feel like um, it's not about emotions. Uh, I, I think libertarians are lost if they're just focused on we need a more emotional pitch. No, like that, that's so lost. What kind of emotions? How, what, what kind of experience are we going to create? We're not creating experiences. We're just uh, throwing like a phone book at people and right, telling yeah, them to yeah. look, read this over and, and realize that we're right. So it's not about um, the, the art, artistic aspect is is more something I just wanted to go in, in, in a different direction that I thought would be awesome. I'm not telling people that they need to follow my path. I don't think that they should. I just want people to find find a way to communicate in a way that... That could pull at them stronger. I don't matter. Question nine. Do you agree with this statement that government must recognize marriage in order to leave it alone? If not, why? No, of course not. Why would it? Why would you need to interact with marriage? At I all? don't know. I wrote that. I'm just gonna. I was just wondering <laughs> if you'd agree with. Are that. these questions uh, prepared specifically for me by callers, or is this stuff you came up with? Oh, came up with brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured I'd throw the out there. 
Question on. What's more important, winning elections or building a message and a brand? Oh, I have very strong opinions on this. I think that the word electability should be banned in any libertarian party discussions. Mm. It should be completely not allowed by the bylaws. If there's one, I, I, I want to remove all bylaws except for maybe replace it with that. No one's allowed to discuss the word electability because it's completely relevant. There's not enough angry libertarian nerds out there to win elections. We're not, <laughs> we're not going to win these elections. Like a bunch it's of World of Warcraft guys, right? Who's more electable? Well, there's a there's another objective here: is catch attention, move the cause forward, yeah. be advocates for liberty. And I see so many people who are no longer really advocates for liberty; they're libertarian party activists, right? Uh, liberty act. That's right. There's and, a difference. Yeah, I agree. And I'm like, damn, guys, you once you're a libertarian party activist to the detriment of liberty activism. You are, you are lost. I agree. At that point. I agree, man. And the bonus question, are we at war with ideas or at war with people? Oh, interesting. Uh, we, it's not whether we are or we aren't. It's whether where we should focus. We should focus our energy as a war of ideas, not as a war of people. People are not ideas. Uh, you now hold views you didn't before. And some of your views you hold now, you might not hold all of them exactly the same way. We're vessels yep. for ideas. And so we, we need to attack the ideas while bringing up the people. We shouldn't be fighting people. But then again, uh, there's always going to be the people that are way beyond reach. And if you want, go ahead, fight with them if you want If you want that as like a fun um, focus towards the audience of what you're saying. If you're not trying to convert anybody, that's okay, I suppose. Um, if you're trying, if you're, I mean, if you're not trying to convert your opponent, you're just trying to uh, speak to the audience that's paying attention to your spar. I suppose that's okay. That's what we normally do. Mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, uh, if we're going to sell, you can't sell by calling your customers retards and idiots and tell, explaining to them how stupid they are. Well, some of them are, honestly. John, I'm sorry. Well, let's say you've got a car and you want to sell it. You're going to. Imagine how it would impact the sale if you tried to explicitly convince your buyer is an idiot. I was just making a joke. I get it. I, I totally get it, dude. I, I'm with you 100%. Hey, Uzo, that's rocket fire. Give it up for John Wise. John, good job, brother. Hey, Uzo, this is Johnny Rocket. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. So rock and roll, and stay tuned. We'll be right back. And now, a word from our sponsors, the League of Liberty, Mark Clare, Roger Paxton, and Chris Spangle. I swear the only reason they even listen to our show is to hear their own voices. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode.
This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Mr. Judd Weiss. Judd, thank you so much for being here, brother. I'm very happy to be on, man. You have such a great radio voice. Did I ever tell you that? No. Well, thank you, though. I gotta, I gotta, your time, man. I got a face for radio. That's what I that's all. <laughs> You got a voice for radio, and you got some energy, and I love it. Oh, thank, yeah. thank you, man. I appreciate it. And you know what, man? I, it's, just, it's an honor to have you here. And, uh, Dude, I'm talking to the one and only Judd Weiss, the running mate for John McAfee. Wow. And uh, this is really cool, man. This was awesome. And uh, Raylene, take it away. Yeah, I, I have a question for you. You once said the Libertarian Party is a, in quotes, convenient quarantine pen for the most toxic elements in the movement, end quote. Recently, they had some big names like Mans Raider, Tom Woods, Dave Smith, people like this joining. Is there hope for this party? Uh, I, I think my opinion is there is no hope for this party. I, I, I would love to say otherwise because I've been on and off the, the party since I was like 16 uh, for many years. And uh, unless, unless there's a dramatic change. So if it's going in the direction it's going now and they're determined to continue going in that direction, then no, I don't think there's any hope. Uh, if, they, if they change their vibe and they stop trying to be the party of achieving 5% in the presidential election, and they start trying to be uh, the group that's doing something really interesting, bold, and exciting, then I think there, there is a, a hope. Uh, right now, uh, it's being involved in the Libertarian Party is such an incredibly miserable experience. Is it's like where the uh, it's where the other liberty activists are that have no concern for simple cordial civility, and they just go ruthless on each other. It, it's it's not a place of people coming together to achieve something. It's just a pit of wolves fighting with each other, and you have to. And the reason why is because suddenly you put liberty activists together and you had them compete for these like internal elections and all of this. And everybody's got their own agendas and you have to line up here. You don't line up there. They find a way to attack you, bring you down They're They raise in their agenda. And that's what politics does across the board. It's not limited to libertarians by any stretch. There is open warfare in the Republican Party, open warfare right now in the Democrat Party It is not limited to libertarians. But it, 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 it's, a, it's just the nature of being in a political party where the only way to win in a political uh, election of any sort, whether internal or external to the party, is be the most miserable 
you can. So that you, <laughs> That's awesome. It's a, ga- it's a game of chicken for the most yes. miserable. If you are miserable and really unpleasant, these other people donating their free time eventually, who are less miserable than you, will give up and let you have your way. And they'll, they're like, right, I'm out. <laughs> and and so th- so that that's what actually works. If you want to succeed in the Libertarian Party, you do in fact have to be a miserable. Well, John, uh, really quick, man. I, I mean, here's the thing. I'd rather have a candidate, though. Hear me out on this. I'd rather have a candidate that was principled. Like, to me, I've seen the party fluctuate where we've had some principled guys in the early 2000s and, and that went away. And now we're like kowtowing to the general public and selling our principles short. I've seen this firsthand where, well, you know, Gary was like, well, we have to bake the cake. You know, and to me, that is wrong. Why are we selling out our principles where we should be firm in our principles, but yet take the approach of Judd Weiss and use art to convey that imagery of our campaign and what we're trying to convey to the public? To me, that would be great. But the thing is, is selling out our principles or our beliefs on property rights and self-ownership and doing whatever you want to do as long as you're not hurting anyone is a problem. That is a problem, and I think it needs to be addressed. What do you think, man? I'm with you. I'm pretty hardcore. However, I I pretty much sidestep that whole battle between showing that we're principled or moderate because the truth is there's a lot of people coming in that aren't as far along as I am, and I'm accepting of that. But a lot of them get really angry. We need to stop with this uh, uh, people that are too radical. We need to have something more moderate in order to be more electable and all that. I understand that not everybody is where I'm at. I don't get into uh, fights over minutiae differences of ideas. All I wanted to do was ignore that. That's not the point of the party. The point, if there's any value of this there's one thing that the Libertarian Party has of value. It's a presidential election because that's the only thing that, that people outside of the party actually pay attention to. And with that, I wanted to make it into something that just catches your attention and causes you to, you to think that that's interesting and wonder what that's about. That's all I was trying to do. Everything yeah. that I did, yeah. was that, that was it. We, I didn't want to start off with the dissertation of all of the, the, the detailed principles and everything uh, uh, I didn't want to start trying to sell a spec sheet. I wanted to sell an idea, a concept. And, um, and, and most of the Libertarian Party members are throwing out spec sheets. And they've got, they've got slightly different spec sheets from each other so that it's like war to the death now because their spec sheets are different. That, that's how I basically look at it. Uh, every, and everybody, everybody with their spec sheet is like complaining that the other one isn't principled. I just avoided that whole thing. Yeah. We are... We're not what teaching about advanced this? calculus. We're just trying to teach mm. basic algebra right now with, with our uh, position as a, in the presidential campaign. That's what I wanted. So earlier, I was going to ask you if you think libertarianism can prove its value to the American people. Because right now the government is giving people things. So like your Santa Claus analogy, um, where is the hustle for U.S.? And what do we need to do? And then I was listening to you just now and... I hear you about the difference between principles and pragmatism, but Trump proved that bold isn't the problem. So do you think that this is how libertarians might actually find and make it into the Oval Office? Uh, 
I, I don't know about libertarian party members ever making into libertarian ever into, yeah into the Oval Office. I I don't know because I remember when I got into it in like '96. I was like 16, and people were talking about by 2004 or 2008 we're going to get a president in the Oval Office, and people start cheering, and I'm like, you know, this delusion. The truth is that um, what we what we need to do. We have a big battle ahead. Go to Costco. Stop, stop with the political uh, forums. Go to Costco and try to convince everybody that we're right. You know, go go to like the movie theater and just look at these people. Like most people aren't interested in what we have to say. We're gonna look like crazy religious freaks if we try to like proselytize uh, everywhere. The truth is, we don't have credibility. We don't have attention. We don't even have any interest. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's interested in paying attention. So before we try to demonstrate to everybody that we're right, I think we need to try to demonstrate to people that we're worth paying attention to. Mm. And that's what we need to build. And if we're focused on electability, then I think I think we're we're mistaken. Like I said, there's not enough angry libertarian nerds out there to win any elections. So more inspiration is your message. Yeah. Great. I agree. And I, I think that's a good start. Absolutely, Judd. I think we can make progress. I, and I and I'm I'm an activist. I'm, I've been a hardcore activist. I've put a lot of energy and time into this. I'm just not going to do it uh, in this way. Like, you know, I, I said that on the Tom Woods show uh, because, uh, about the quarantine pen because I was saying yeah. uh, after the my Libertarian Party experience, I was racking my brain. Really, I was. I was trying to figure out what is the value of the Libertarian Party? <laughs> What's it doing for the liberty movement? Because it hasn't won any uh, political victories at all, any significance whatsoever. And they spent decades of resources and time and energy. Uh, what have they achieved? And I figured it out. They actually do bring a value to the liberty movement because I've been around the whole liberty movement. I've seen all the different aspects. The Libertarian Party is a small, small, tiny part of it. Most people in the liberty movement don't get involved in the party. And and the value that it's brought is that it's a convenient quarantine pen for the most toxic elements so that people don't have to deal with the and kind of go and be activists without having to fight with everybody all the time. So yeah. that's what I, I that's what I said. But I'll go even further than that. What's the difference between the Libertarian Party and live action role playing? <sighs> I don't know. Go ahead. Well, the Dungeons and Dragons guys and the people doing Civil War reactments, they know they're playing a game. <laughs> they're dressing up as politicians, pretending like they're doing something. And they don't know they're playing a game. If you don't know you're playing a game, uh, then you're just a delusional cult. And that's embarrassing. But to me, I mean, here's the thing. We have guys like Ron Paul who pulled in a lot of people into the party and into the liberty movement that you speak of. Movement. Right. You're right, right. Movement I'm all about. Right, right. So am I. The thing is, is I wouldn't be where I'm at now if it wasn't for that guy who was in politics. So I think there could be another Ron Paul and we haven't found him yet. And that's, so that's why... That's why I ran with McAfee for the presidential race, because I felt like McAfee is a guy that can cause a tremendous amount of controversy and command attention. People were just wondering what the f- crazy f- do next. Yeah. And I figured, uh, no f- about Gary Johnson. He's so awkward and so boring. Austin is just kind of like, was, I don't know, I thought he was kind of douchey at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and McAfee, you know, McAfee's not perfect, but he's, Awesome. He's just a badass. Nobody can deny the guy's a badass. Yeah, he is. We had a chance for the first time in Libertarian Party history 
to be the cool option. And then the libertarians chose willingly to be the boring option again, to be uh, the safe option. Well, I can and t- why? Yeah. Why? Do we have to protect. What, 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 what are we being safe for? What do we have? We have nothing. We've got no results on anything. What are we being safe for? We can't, we can't jeopardize this historic opportunity with two hated presidential candidates, Hillary and Trump. And I'm like, guys. And I think Trump did win because he was ridiculously outlandish and people hated Hillary. But like, why couldn't we have done that? Right. Right. So really quick, really quick, Judd, I know you want to answer that, but I just want to say one thing before we go is that I was a delegate and I voted for John and you. So that being said, booyah, booyah. Anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket and please check us out at blastoffshow.com. You can find us there. So if you're tired of going the launchpadmedia.com forward slash blast off, you can just go blastoffshow.com and it will take you right to our page. Anyway, so please check out our Patreon if you want to hear the rest of this interview at patreon.com forward slash blastoff podcast. Anyway, so I'm here with my ray of truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. And we're talking to Judd Weiss. Judd, give us your dot coms, brother. Yeah, I have a new, well, to follow me on social media, where I normally I'm at Facebook. Uh, my handle for everything is just my full name, Judd Weiss. So Facebook.com slash Judd Weiss, Instagram slash Judd Weiss, Twitter.com slash Judd Weiss. But now I have a cannabis company, so I sell drugs legally. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And, and um, that company's called Lit Club. We're catching a lot of attention right now. And very much like libertarians have an image problem, uh, stoners do too. And so I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to change that. You're trying I'm to make taking, stoners classy. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's so Microsoft and Silicon Valley, right? It's very cool. Yeah, we've got more of a tech professional vibe, and I, but a little bit more provocative. We got some like uh, we have this strain for our pre-rolls that is that's getting really popular. It's called Forbidden Fruit, and that's actually defining our marketing. So we have this uh, full page ad in Sensi Magazine, and it says, "Find out why it's forbidden." And that's where we're going with it. So it's a little bit edgy, but everything's very sophisticated and sleek. Anyways, though, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with the Ray of Truth, Raylene Lightheart. We're here with Judd Weiss. Again, if you like this interview, please go to patreon.com forward slash. Blast off podcast. Hear the rest of this on the after party. Anyways, so Johnny Rocket signing off. See you next week. Rock and roll.